Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman, on TFU.info, the website, the Twitter archive, the Twitter account, Transformers University podcast, this podcast, and oh, so much more. I want to welcome you to episode number 54 of TFU News and Views. And this time around, we're talking about Legacy, Transformers Legacy, Wave 2, mainly, um, the Hasbro fan site roundtable I was a part of last week, and the questions asked there, uh, my thoughts to Wave 2, and for our Patreon uh, subscribers, those at the junior level and up, uh, going to do some exclusive content for you of my thoughts on Wave 1 of Transformers Legacy as Hasbro was kind enough to send me some free product. So we're going to talk a little bit about what they sent and my thoughts on those figures. But first, let's let's talk about the thing that's on everyone's mind. All the reveals from Fan First Tuesday of Legacy Wave 2. Uh, all the questions and answers from the Q&A session. And of course, Titan Cybertron Universe Metroplex. Now the roundtable... I want to talk a little bit about these roundtables because they're they're an interesting uh, combination of fan interaction, press interaction, and Q and A. You know, I've done these a couple of times now. We've done these actually for several years now. When you go pre-pandemic and the, the conversations we would have with Hasbro at events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con, these uh, conversations. They're interesting because there's now there's a lot of people in them. Um, aside from three designers and two marketing people, and you know the the folks from the PR company that Hasbro hires, um, there's I you know I was trying to keep track. I figured I think there was about sixteen of us, sixteen or seventeen of us from various websites, podcasts, influencers, YouTubers, um, from mostly in North America. One guy did have a British accent who I don't really know him. But uh, let's just say that he uh, is somewhere on Earth and we get the opportunity to really discuss uh, these sorts of things with Hasbro and kind of pick their brains and pick the designers brains. And the designers are awesome. Mark and Evan and Sam, uh, they are so much fun to talk to. Uh, they give such great insights into their thinking. And then uh, you have Rachel and Ben from the marketing team who uh, gives us a little bit of insights into the business side of things and also into uh, the the background side of things, the story side of things. And that actually will take us to the first question. But before I do, I want to let you know, the questions were limited to Legacy Wave 2 and uh, the Cybertron Metroplex reveal. So basically the things that had been announced in the previous week leading up to this call. This is something that gets laid out when we get told about the call. So uh, if you're wondering why we didn't get asked about uh, one, no one really asked about studio series or no one asked about any sort of uh, TV show tie-in or anything sort of along those lines. Um, we are given very uh, explicit direction as to what the topics are going to be for the conversation. And they are reiterated at the top of the conversation by the PR team. So just keep that in mind in terms of what we talk about with, with these folks. Now, the first question that came out... Um, came from Jack at T-Formers, and uh, he had questions about, like, 
characters and how they fit into various universes because of the way they're labeled on packages. So like Laser Prime is labeled, or actually G-Axis is labeled as Generation 2 Universe, or Metroplex is labeled as Cybertron Universe, which is weird because like he's part of the Unicron trilogy. So that's like its own universe. And I don't think the marketing team quite got the question. Um, and so the answer was a little bit around about um, basically saying how legacy was its own thing and they were going to pull from different universes and, you know, that figures end up in other things such as buzzworthy or, or selects. Um, the thing, a really interesting thing we did get out of, out of this answer wasn't necessarily related to the question, but, um, was related to something Hasbro does called the capsule programs. Now the capsule programs, such as the Netflix series for Walmart or the buzzworthy series for Target, these are essentially separate toy lines um, done for those specific vendors, those specific retailers. So it's it's interesting to see that on its own um, laid out there for us. Uh, I think I don't think um, the brand team has a good grasp uh, on the notion of universes the way we do or the um, way many fans do based off of how TF Wiki kind of um, has built this realm of this is a G1 universe and this is kind of that sub pocket of a G1 universe and you know Unicron Trilogy exists over here and you take this all the way back to Chris McFeely's uh, first episode of uh, Transformers the Basics on YouTube because uh, he kind of lays out where where the universe lines are kind of drawn, and there's basically like seven different universes, right? And everything else is a subsect of that. Um, I think they take some of those subsects and build them out as their own universe. So, like, yeah, you can say G2 universe, and in some instances, yeah, G2 happened in a very specific way in the comics. It happened in a fairly specific way on, on the toy packaging. It didn't happen in a cartoon unless you want to count the space cube. So those things all kind of exist on their own within the context of G1. But, you know, someone like me will be like, but G2 is G1, just like Beast Wars is G1, right? But some people will say Beast Wars is its own universe. I don't know if Tarantulas is actually labeled Beast Wars universe. I haven't really looked closely at that. But again, that would be one of those things like, well, not exactly. Um, I think for Hasbro and their marketing and how they're laying this out, they're trying to lay out these universes. I think they've got a, a firm grasp that G1 is G1 and then Prime is Prime and then all the other ones are kind of fuzzy in a lot of ways. And so, you know, having Cybertron Universe Metroplex uh, doesn't mean it's Unicron Trilogy Metroplex to them, right? Uh, it means it exists in the previous Cybertron line. It's a weird way to put it for us, but I think for them as marketers, it's... It's the simplest way to put it, that they're not trying to sell Optimus Prime, G2 Optimus Prime, Laser Prime, as the original. This is one from a different era that you may not know. And then when you simplify it to those terms, it makes a little more sense. Second question came from uh, the folks at Awesome Toy Blog, uh, asking about limbs, combiner limbs being split into different waves. Um, this is really nothing new. This happened in Combiner Wars as well. And... I, I think it's honestly it's to get people to keep coming back to the store, right? So you might be trying to build Menosaur, uh, but if you go to the store once and buy all five figures, right, you're done. You're not going back. Uh, you're not buying that. Uh, you know what? I kind of like that figure. Maybe I'll pick this one up too. 
so the folks that are just dead set on buying Metasaur, they're just going to buy Metasaur regardless. But folks who might want to buy Metasaur and might be talked into something else, it's it's smart business. It's smart marketing. Look, it, for Hasbro, they want to they want to keep dipping into your pocket. That's their job as a business. And for them to split these across waves only makes sense. Now they didn't. They did say, and this is another thing that uh, I think came up in the conversation that I thought was more interesting than the question is that box sets were not off the table that they did box sets and combiner wars. And uh, actually they mentioned devastator as a, as an example, which I thought was a, a weird choice given how it doesn't really combine the same way, but, and it was only available as a box set. But with that in mind, they're still going, uh, or at least thinking about finding ways to do box sets. And I think, you wanted this in a G2 style um, because that's the natural retool and recolor for this set of figures. Uh, I'm all for it. The people who are like, oh, doing the masquerade, uh, that one still irks me <laughs> that people keep asking for it. Because I, I, when I was really young in the fandom uh, in the mid-90s, uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. That'd be really cool. And then when you think about it, you're like, no, it's a terrible idea. Uh, one of those cars is Wind Charger, which puts him way out of scale with the rest of the group, or you have a much larger Wind Charger than you would want. And two, they never show up in their Autobot colors as the Stunticons. They never show up in their Autobot colors as Menasaur. And so unless that figure looks really cool, which, hey, it might, and that'd be really cool to do just as like a, I guess, an uh, an off shoot of the project. Um, I have a hard time being like, no, this needs to be done. There's so many cooler things that need to be done, you know, i.e. Killing Jar Ultra Magnus um, or Killing Jar Everybody box set. Uh, that That's one I'm in for. But Masquerade Stunticons eh, doesn't do it for me, but that's just my personal taste. All right. Uh, Jeremy, my buddy from Transmissions, he uh, he asked about yellowing on recent figures and uh they're aware of it. Uh, they are very thankful for your photos online, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you're putting them, of uh, figures uh, that have come out yellowing. Uh, it's actually helped the design team identify which plastics are doing it because different plastics are used on different pieces of toys. And since the designers have a much more intimate knowledge of the types of plastic used for each individual piece within a tooling uh, or within a set of toolings, it's a um, big help when, when you provide photos. So uh, that's one that they are are looking into. They also mentioned that uh, Hasbro, as a standard for their factories overseas, has uh, a special UV coating that is uh, given to all of their plastics across all of their lines. And one of the things they kind of pointed out without like selling out a specific factory is that sometimes newer factories that they employ uh, take a little while to get up to speed with their standards and quality. So it was kind of like throwing a factory under the bus, but they didn't hit it too hard. Uh, the upside here for those of us who are worried about yellowing figures, especially with some all-white figures coming out, like Cybertron, Metroplex, and like Star Saber, where you're putting in almost $200 for the figure and better not be yellowed uh, within the first you know, few years of owning it. Um, I think, you know, what you have here is, is a conceit by Hasbro that they're going to do better. And I, I think that is the important part. So let's, let's uh, knock wood that, that it, it happened in time. We caught it in time and, and, and see what happens moving forward. Next question came from the folks at 
Allspark, uh, asking about Legacy Bl- Blitzwing. And can the turret on Blitzwing spin all the way around? And the answer there was uh, yes. Yes, it can. Uh, in fact, Mark, uh, Mark Marr, the designer uh, that everybody knows and loves from Hasbro, uh, had one on hand and spun it around for us, uh, gave us a little view of of Blitzwing and the figure being uh, spun 360. I think, I'm trying to remember if I posted a picture of it on my Twitter account. I don't think I have. Uh, oh, and, uh, you know, another interesting note here is that Lenny Panzeca worked on Blitzwing uh, before tra- transitioning out to G.I. Joe. Now, Lenny took over for John Warden when he left the line, so it's interesting to see where some of these toys were designed in the scheme of things. So, you know, John Warden left the line about a year and a half ago. Lenny was not on the line all that long as lead designer. He's, uh, uh, to my knowledge, he'd worked on the line before, but before fully transitioning over to G.I. Joe, I think he was kind of just a stopgap for a little while. And uh, uh, it's neat to know that Lenny uh, was the one who was kind of the guy behind Blitzwing here. Now, the next question came from Anthony Cars from... Uh, uh, he's a YouTube influencer, I believe, a reviewer. He's uh, Sunstreaker84 on Twitter. And he said he wanted to know how they chose the characters for uh, Legacy. Now, apparently, according to the designers, a weeks are spent in advance of uh, any line that they do on what they call the line plan. Many factors go into uh, this decision. They're trying to strike a balance. And balance is a mix of character traits, character gender, color, alt mode uh does the character need an update is the character one of those ones the designer you know is trying to push through because they just like the character um budgeting weight mass these all play a factor in the character choices so if you're wondering why certain characters have or haven't gotten an update or why some characters are paired off in a way i think that is a good place uh to start looking one of the things I think it came out a later part of the conversation while we were talking is that the way weight is distributed through a caseload, right? Um, you may have four characters in a wave that are part of a deluxe series case, um, but you may get one that's really big and one that's kind of small. You know, you may get the cliff jumper mold from Siege, or you may get the Ironhide mold from Siege. And the reason they ship together is, uh, on average they weigh a certain amount together and some of that weight to make some of the bulkier characters fit into certain price points, the weight has to be shifted throughout the case. So sometimes that's how come you'll see. Um, and it, you know, it actually benefits female characters in a way because, because of the smaller build of a lot of the female characters, that weight is then shifted to another character in, in the wave. So you may feel like, Oh, well I'm not getting my 20, 23, $25 worth of figure from this particular character but there may be another character in that wave that you might be getting more value from more than what you're paying so it's supposed to balance out across the wave we'll get into pricing later um because that's one that that uh didn't quite sit well with me overall um but (laughs) but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit all right so the next question came from the folks at tfw 2005 Want to know the thought process behind choosing Cybertron Metroplex as the next Titan. This team picked up Metroplex from the previous design team. In fact, John Warden had a heavy hand in picking this Metroplex figure uh, and part of the design. That actually came out in some a later conversation. 
Uh, the ties uh, for this are into the legacy story theme of mining Energon. So they wanted something that was a mining vehicle. Uh, we find out that Metroplex is 22 inches tall uh, and that the story was the initial driver for Metroplex in there. They reminded us that ultimately they're still designing these toys for children, even though which is funny because they mentioned the age range of 11 to 14, uh, and this figure is most certainly 15 and up on the packaging. But overall, I think, you know, Metroplex is a good choice. Um, there's not a lot of figures you can do at this Titan class. I don't mind there being another Metroplex uh, Cybertron figure. Here's the other thing that they're not saying uh, that I think we all need to remember as Transformers fans is that every so often they've got to reuse these names. Uh, it's hard for them to put out a giant G1 Metroplex every few years. Now, that might have been a good concept uh, to do here also. I'm not arguing that. But for them to keep the name Metroplex, they've got to use the name Metroplex. So I think this is a good way to, to keep that name for a little longer. And then if they want to decide or feel there's a reaction enough to do uh, another Titan scale G1 Metroplex, more in the style of the original, they'll go down that road later. But that's not one of those things they're going to tell us on one of these calls, right? That's something we kind of have to piece together as fans. Now, the next question was uh, whether or not they were surprised about the fan reaction for uh, Wave 2. Um, and the thing we got from the Hasbro team here is, overall is, one, that the pre-order numbers for Wave 2 crushed uh, pre-order numbers for, I think, Kingdom Wave 2 or the wave, whatever wave was announced one year ago at this time. Uh, they were surprised at some of the lesser-known characters selling really well, uh, even the ones that are currently hitting stores now, particularly uh, Bulkhead was a good example, um, that of a toy that's selling really well despite the online reactions early on. Uh, as you'll find out if you're a Patreon later on, I really do like the Bulkhead toy. It's nice. Uh, so I think the upside there is that, you know, the Hasbro scene success in characters that are not straight up g1 and that's that's good for us as fans because now we can start treading those waters of it doesn't have to be prime and bumblebee and starscream and megatron and grimlock and shockwave all the time and soundwave now next question came from ben at bwtf uh, heard him here on the show before and i gotta say having been on these calls really makes me miss going to conventions uh and doing these things in person because ben's kind of my uh my press conference buddy whenever we do one of these um will there be another price bump next year and talking a little bit about price increases um and i think this comes on the heels of an article that came out the day before about hasbro saying they will need to increase prices line-wide um this is not just transformers but this is going to hit marvel and star wars first rumor has it they're going to go up to 27.99 for a deluxe figure uh but the hasbro team wasn't going to commit to that on this call, um, but they said going forward, deluxe prices for Transformers are $24.99. They also noted that cardboard prices are going up as well. They said that Amazon currently owns like all the cardboard in the world, uh, and so their demand for cardboard has made it harder to get cardboard. You have to factor all these price increases onto a couple of things. Uh, just my take on it. Um, my take is, yes, it's the increase in price of cardboard. It's the increase in the cost of plastic, which is tied to the increase in cost in oil. Um, that's not necessarily, you're like, oh, well, Hasbro's an American company. They're in the United States. Yeah, but they manufacture in Asia. And uh, the war in the Ukraine is a reason partially of why uh, there are some oil increases around the world. But 
Remember, Ukraine supplies oil for parts of Europe and Asia. So if Hasbro is manufacturing, say, in Vietnam, and Vietnam gets their oil from Ukraine, then there's an issue, right? Because now they're having trouble getting oil and prices from other sources are probably going up, which means then raw materials prices go up, manufacturing prices go up, cap that with shipping container prices going up around the world due to the pandemic and the effects of that. And then just inflation and everything else overall. You see where this is going, right? Everything leads to price increases. So it's going to be a while before they flatten out, and it kind of sucks. Actually, I'm going to tell you this. It really sucks. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I mean, look, it sucks because there's nothing we as fans can do about it, right? Except not buy stuff, and that's fine. Uh, or be more picky in our, in our purchases, which is also fine and good practice overall. But... As someone who got into this hobby um, because it was fun and relatively cheap when I was 18 and didn't have a lot of money, uh, didn't have a, a, a well-paying job, uh, and I still could go, hey, um, you know, Transformer Basics are $5, Transformer Deluxes are $10, uh, the Megas were 15 and the most expensive toys in the line were 20 Then if I could scrape together $300, I could basically own an entire line. Uh, and enjoy it uh, and not miss a figure over the course of a year. You know, that that was a big deal for me uh, and part of really what led me into being a lifelong collector, right? I think the other issue is the timing of price increases. Uh, I think really the, the hardest part of all this is that until, and I, I really, I kid you not, until 2012, we sat at $10 for deluxes. For years, for years, since I started in this hobby at in 1996. So from 1996 to 2012, it was a 9.99 deluxe or maybe a 10.99 deluxe, depending on the store you're at. That year they went up to 12.99. A year or two later, they went up to 14.99 per deluxe. And I remember going, you know, I remember skipping waves. I remember skipping waves of Fall of Cybertron because I was like, oh, the price increase kind of stinks. Like, uh, I can't do this. I, I can't be you know, into this, um, the way I used to be. And, and yeah, I probably paid for it on the back end, buying those figures on the second hand market, but that was 10 years ago. So you're talking from 96 to 2012. So that's what four and then 12 more years. That's 16 years without a price increase, right? It, it, by my estimation. And look, your, your mileage may vary, right? 16 years without a price increase. We have since almost tripled that price increase we have gone up to twenty dollars in deluxe and by the end of by now because i just purchased cliff jumper off of uh hasbro pulse for 24.99 we have gone two and a half times that in less than 10 years in just about 10 years that's 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 a lot that's a lot from, from no increases in 14 years to uh 150% markup in 10 years and so that trend upward is dangerous um it's got to flatten out for hasbro and for transformer collectors or quite honestly um this hobby will die or this <laughs> this brand will will suffer at it because there you will not be able to bring new blood into the hobby but enough about that let's go on to some more pleasant questions <laughs> and pleasant uh, Matt Thomas, uh, actually, that's the uh, 
the person from the UK, uh, who I believe is in the UK, um, I don't know where he's from uh, in terms of website or, or, or YouTube channel or what, he had a question about Soundwave in Legacy and why Siege and not Netflix. And this is uh, a really important answer for a lot of things. So it turns out the Earthrise Soundwave mold being part of that Netflix line is exclusive to Walmart and that Netflix capsule. Now, Walmart can choose to rerun that toy, but Walmart has exclusive rights to that particular mold, that Earthrise Soundwave tooling, for a period of time. So until that period of time expires... Hasbro can't run it in mainline, so they have to run it in some sort of Walmart line, which means they got to get Walmart and their people to sign off on doing Soundwave. And I imagine that extends to Laserbeak and Buzzsaw, meaning that we've done the Earth Mode Laserbeak in that line, and they can't do Buzzsaw until either Walmart does it or Walmart lets the time expire on that mold. Uh, and a good example of this actually is the um, Earthrise Ironhide Ratchet mold, right? That was an Amazon thing. Amazon ran one, two, three different versions. Well, they ran two versions of it, right? No, they ran three versions of it. They ran it as Ratchet. They ran it as Ironhide in the Prowl package. And they ran it as um, Shattered Glass Ratchet, right? But at some point, it became DK2 Guard for Selects. And that's not an Amazon exclusive. So at some point, that time ran out on that mold for Amazon. And they did not re-up. Or it just, that's the clause. And uh, so... I think you'll see an ER sound wave come out eventually, just not anytime soon, at least not until Walmart uh, has their contract expire on that figure. Next question came from YouTuber Rodimus Primal. He asked about uh, open packaging and people stealing heads off of uh, Legacy Blue Streak and preventative measures uh, in process. Uh, there is no time, uh, no changes anytime soon to return to old plastic bubble. Uh, or cover the heads uh, in a way that they don't come off. Maybe closed box in the future, but there's no immediate solutions. And one of the uh, interesting pieces that came out here is that uh, open box toys, toys where the kids can see the figure inside and see and touch it, uh, sell better to kids. Uh, so that's what they have chosen for Transformers versus their other Hasbro lines uh, aimed at older fans. Now, the next question came from West Lee Dixon. Uh, you may know him from Unicron.com and his uh, Instagram feed. West asked about Menasaur and if he's Combiner Wars compatible. This was a big question. This was actually my question that I was going to ask if it was my turn. Uh, and he said they found out that they do fit, but they're not intended to fit. So it turns out like... Yeah, they're kind of fit into those slots, but they don't really uh, stay secure. So you can, and it only works on the legs of Menosaur. So you could swap out Menosaur's legs for Combiner Wars limb legs, but those uh, those guys are not going to stay on too well. You can pose them a little bit, but if you try to move them around, they're going to just flop right out. Uh, there's no arm port compatibility with those. Uh, Mark's thoughts were that either he was trying to design a figure, whether or not it was. Uh, good figure overall or wanted to make sacrifices to make it a combiner wars compatible figure so he went with the better figure overall next question came from ryan over at sabertron.com and he asked about uh legacy skywarp and his weapon and whether or not his arm cannons and i will say arm cannons uh are are coming 
<laughs> in any shape or form. And we kind of got a non-answer here. So we got a no comment. We got an anything as possible. I think a weapons pack is on the horizon down the line. Um, it's definitely on their radar, but it's something they cannot confirm nor deny. That usually means they've got something planned. I like the idea of a weapons pack. Uh, I liked when they did it in Siege. I like when they did it in Kingdom with the Blast Effects pack. I will like it when they do it in Legacy. Now, next question... Uh, next question uh, came from Vangelis over at uh, W2F at TFW podcast and of course from YouTube and this 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 was a bit of a, a long question uh, <laughs> you know I found it funny because I was like I would type my notes to get ready to hit send and, and then the question would pivot and kind of not be about what I was already typing so he had asked about female started talking about female characters and end up into designer pros so ultimately this question um, took took a while before it landed where uh, it was going. And I'm not really sure there was a question mark at the end of it, but the designers talked a bit about um, uh, posting their designs on on Instagram. They don't post on Twitter, but if you're on Instagram, uh, you should check out Mark and Sam and Evan. Uh, they post some of their drawings and you can kind of see how, how some of these toys come together. And apparently the designers all love doing this, uh, but there's nothing planned like make a book out of out of these images or anything along those lines. And you can see also here that the conversation um, tends to meander a little. Um, you know, this, the topics don't necessarily stay on, say, you know, Legacy Wave Two as as we were instructed, but we can't really necessarily, as people asking questions, jump outside of that right away. Sometimes you have to be creative in finding ways to get them to talk about other things uh, within the framework of whatever the topic is that day. So on to question number 13, and this came from Brian Kilby at Radio Free Cybertron. And uh, Brian wants to know uh, the inspiration for G-Axis and, and how that ended up, how it was. And Mark had a good uh, bunch of great stuff with this one. So he uh, mentioned working on the Thrilling 30 figure that came out a few years uh prior i guess it's almost 10 years now it's getting close to it um eight years ago uh that was a redeco of uh, thrilling 30 armada starscream uh, so it didn't really physically look like g-axis other than having that version drawn into the comics um and it took its color inspiration from the rid 2001 kb exclusive toy of g-axis so it also didn't really have a color match to the the comic book uh, Mark's been wanting to do one of these G2 G-axis figures uh, for a while. And back when they did the Thrilling 31, there was a push towards brighter colors in the line, so that's why they went with the RID-01 color scheme. Mark does love this character, even owns some Manny Galen art of of G-axis and uh, uh, held up a photo of it, and I, I felt held up the art, and I took a, a screen cap of it, posted it on Twitter. You can check it out there at TFU underscore info. Uh, he worked with Yu san on this, who also happens to love uh, G-axis. The toy has hand articulation, and... Um, you know, there was some some back and forth about whether or not this could be uh, retooled or recolored into Machine Wars Starscream, but it turns out that Mark also loves Machine Wars and brings it up uh, every time they do <laughs> toy uh, pitch for whatever the next toy line is. One last thing that's added on here: uh, the PR team is working to get figures of uh, get a figure of G-Axis to the characters' creators. Uh, 
uh, Derek Yanniker and Simon Furman. So that's all really, really cool stuff. Now, on to question 14. My question. And it shows you, when we're on to question 14, this is 14 different people asking questions. No repeats, right? Uh, and mine was uh, about Metroplex. And the question I had is uh, noticing off a of bulkhead, uh, legacy bulkhead that that the figure had both five millimeter ports and three millimeter ports and some Powerlinks style ports. Um, I mean, there are if there was any sort of consideration in Metroplex to make him adaptable to uh, one to to Cybertron figures, so like a keyport or a um, or more Powerlinks ports, and then and then two, if this was something they were planning to do across the line. And, uh, the answer we got was one that it was more incidental than anything, though. However, Metroplex does have uh, the Omega Supreme style road connectors from, uh, I guess, Omega was what uh, Earthrise. So the the road connectors they've been using since, I guess, to switch over to Siege, uh, will be uh, will work with Metroplex. Keys and minicons are not included, and uh, some conversation then was had about whether or not drill bit. Uh, was going to be included, and apparently, uh, drill bit was part of the concept early on. And um, again, this is one of those concepts that uh, originally existed under John Warden. So this shows you how far along, how far back they were already working on Cybertron Metroplex. The cost to add in drill bit uh, costed out in the process pretty early, according to the team, which is a uh, um, interesting because the figure has jumped so much in price in terms of retail price to almost $200 for the figure uh, from a figure that was, you know, a size class that was 150 uh, just a few years back and tended to have more than just the Titan. And it usually had deluxe class figure to have some sort of core class version of, of drill bit apparently did cost out um, early on. So I, I don't know where, where early on is, but it's uh, certainly was a consideration beforehand. Uh, they didn't rule out the idea that, drill bit could be included as a core class figure later on in the line now on to the next question question number 15 this came from uh kevin lucas over at unicron.com and kevin uh wanted to know about the rise of the beast delay if that was going to affect uh, the number of toys in 2022 uh are things shifted earlier um is some of the rise of the beast stuff coming out early and oddly enough uh, the delay in rise of the beast had no impact on uh legacy or generations because none of those characters appear in it and also had no impact on studio series uh the plan was pretty much to have those figures come out later on after the movie had already come out so the studio series line is pretty much right on time uh, in terms of rise of the beast and they offered no comment on the rise of the beast optimus that's now in cyberverse quick tack on question from kevin there uh did want to know about the return to live conventions and meeting up uh, hasbro is looking into it uh they did mention new york toy fair and new york comic-con which are now um on consecutive weeks <laughs> so uh that might be a place where they would do do things where they can be at one and then be at the other directly after that um having not lived in new york now for over a year uh it's kind of a bummer that those are two consecutive weeks uh <laughs> you go from new york toy fair and then the following weekend is new york comic-con um, also means that there's really nothing new uh, to announce in terms of uh, product or in terms of Transformers because they used to be over six months apart. So New York Toy Fair would be in February and uh, 
Comic-Con would be in October, so you would be able to kind of jump six months ahead in the product line. Now, on to question number 16. This came from my buddy Monzo over at TF Wiki. I uh, wanted to know the uh, story behind the combining sword in core class. Uh, and apparently this was designed to help kids collect. Uh, it was an added bonus feature. It wasn't necessarily meant to be the main feature of the toy, but it was a bonus for collecting all three core class figures. Uh, something you may miss because the packaging callouts are only on the legacy version. So if you have a kingdom version of, of Hot Rod, that might be uh, lost uh, in the packaging. Now, the way the weapons are combined, uh, designed, I should say, uh, they're all meant to combine in one big kind of uh, play pattern. So you can make multiple different style weapons from all the different Energon weapons across Legacy. So it's it's meant to kind of replace the weaponizers, fossilizers play pattern from the previous three lines. And quick note here on, on a... a kind of a side tangent we kind of started talking about qr codes and bios so uh the qr codes that lead to the character bios that are now part of legacy um if you've used any of them and if you've just saved the image off the internet and then used your uh, smart device to, to take you there uh you'll notice that the bios are incredibly short they're about one sentence and at that there may be five words and usually one or two of those are the character name the reason they're so short is that they have to translate those into 27 different languages. And paying for translation is by the word. As uh, someone who has done, uh, had to go and, and contract people to pay for transcription, um, I don't know if pay for translation, but even transcription gets expensive uh, by the word, by the minute. So I, I, I get what, what they're saying here is that translating into 27 languages means. 27 times whatever that dollar amount is. So, yeah, let's do the quick math. For every $100 they have to pay someone to translate, that's uh, $2,700 <laughs> they have to pay someone to translate. Though, quick note about the QR codes. If you're worried about keeping the packaging or if you want to recycle your packaging, uh, the QR codes are printed on the instructions for the legacy figures, so you still have them archived there. And of course, when, when I get around to adding these into uh, tfu.info, uh, any information from those uh, QR codes, so I, I may not be able to lift the images, but as far as the text and the text spec ratings go, we'll, we'll record those over at tfu.info, as we always have. And that was actually the last uh, question of the first round. Uh, and then by accident, Jeremy from uh, uh, Transmissions was asked again if he wants to ask a question because he had because he had repopped into uh, the queue uh, the way Zoom had laid out people's uh, faces so they thought they hadn't gotten to him so he he did ask a quick question about Shattered Glass Ultra Magnus uh, once again John Morton had planned the skull head for this figure before they decided to do both heads and the comic that comes with it will be the first issue of the new Shattered Glass miniseries so I guess that makes the final Shattered Glass miniseries the final series of Transformers books published by IDW. Interesting, interesting. After that, it became kind of a free-form conversation. Um, we had a couple things uh, we talked about. We talked about uh, Tarantulas, uh, Legacy Tarantulas, and how he is not a retool of Black Arachne. In fact, the only part he shares is the gun. So they ported over the accessory. Other than that, everything on him is new. Uh, the team does talk a lot about Transmetals. 
uh, because uh, we've made it known that we all would like to see them again. Uh, turns out vac metal is harder and harder to do these days, and finding the right process to give the toys the right look is kind of the holdup in there. Uh, the general consensus uh, on the call is that uh, as far as the f- fan sites go, and I think we're representative of the fandom at large in a lot of ways, all 17 of us or 16 of us that got to ask questions, uh, I don't think one person said they would want vac metal over just an alternative that looked really good. Of course, there are some uh, potential retools for Motormaster. Uh, they haven't really said, but Evan has something cooking. Um, Sam played a lot with the Metroplex and showed us, because uh, he had the sample, showed us a lot of stuff. The alternate side of his head is designed to be wearing a welding mask. Uh, the wheel on his weapon does not open up, and it was not confirmed whether or not the Galaxy Force Optimus Prime can hold it. Uh, they haven't tried it out. Uh, the wheel does have a ratcheted spin, and it's very loud, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Metasaur uh, has the two arm blasters molded into his wrists, the ones you see in Masquerade. Real Metasaur has special powers. Yes, powers to destroy. And yes, Metroplex uh, does take some blast effects, and uh, I was able to get a screen grab of those uh, ramp connector ports on his legs. Uh, we shifted a little bit to some other things. Mark worked on BotBots, some of the Series Six stuff, like the Pizza Race Car that's coming out. And then we got into one final question, and that was from me uh, about the legacy Stunticons. And the way Dragstrip is designed to fit as an arm, he can split into an upper and a lower half, back half of a car, top half of a car. And I had thrown the idea out there if this was part of their uh, design thinking on the line that now they can make figures that um, they can keep the front half and tool a whole new lower or lower half or vice versa and they you know if, if that's how the design thinking for the line is going to be going forward and they seemed a little a little surprised and um very intrigued by that notion um i don't think they thought of it that way but uh they were they were really into the idea that oh they could do you know other toolings off of you know keeping the front of a car and changing the back of the car uh almost in a way like um I guess MicroMaster combiners come to mind, but uh, I, I I think I sparked some uh, imagination in those designers with that question. So we'll see how that goes forward. But uh, no, they're not designed uh, with that in mind, with future t- toolings in mind. Uh, they were simply designed that way to do the the arm articulation on Menasaur. And so with that, if you are one of my Patreon students over at patreon.com slash TFU info. We're going to talk a little bit about the legacy figures and my thoughts on them uh, so far. Uh, And for those of you listening for free out on iTunes and everywhere else, check this out. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website TFU.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. 
Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. And once again, I want to thank you for joining TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Bricali, owner-operator, madman behind TFU.info, website, tour archive, Transformers University podcast, this podcast, and oh so much more. Till next time. See ya. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive.